Welcome to the third episode of the Interlace podcast. My name is Mirko Varano and with me I have Christoffer Fredriksson. Today we will talk about uh, an organization since our podcast deals with internationalization in uh, culture and education. Today we cover culture for the first time. And we will talk about an organization which is probably the most important one in the European Union dealing with uh, education in the field of music from an international perspective. So Christopher, I know that you've been involved in the organization. What is your experience with them? The short name of the organization is AEC and I will not make an attempt to say the full name. However, the uh, AEC is not the only organization within higher music education, but the far most important with its more than 300 member institutions. AC works for the advancement of higher education in the performing arts, mainly focusing on music. It does this based on four pillars, and it's en- enhancing quality in higher music education, fostering the value of music and music education in society. They are promoting participation, inclusiveness and diversity, as well as strengthening partnership and interaction with stakeholders and I don't know the number but AC is coordinating and our partner in a quite impressive number of international projects and some of them I have been personally involved in but I think I will let uh, Sara Primitera who we will call in a few minutes she's the event and project manager at the office in Brussels she will talk more about this and give a deeper uh, presentation of their projects and activities. So in our introduction, we covered already the European University Networks, or actually I should say University Networks in general, and their nature and why they exist. Uh, We had the second program uh, about the European Association of Universities, which is very global. But, and, and Pam told us what are the benefits of being partner of that huge global organization. But what are the benefits of being part of this organization since you have been involved in it personally? A key benefit of AEC membership is the possibility to connect with uh, all the institutions working with the similar ambitious challenges and concerns. And AEC provides a wide, wide range of offers and communication channels through which all the member institutions can share information with each other and find suitable partners with whom to cooperate. On their website, they also have a a function for job vacancies. AC also works as a think tank. It functions as a platform to inspire each other and to exchange ideas among those who want to shape the future for the sake of music and the arts and culture education. So I think AC has a very important role within higher music education to play. And uh, AC also representing uh, and advancing in the interest of higher music education sector at the national, European and as well as an international level. And just before we call, Sara, um, you've been working in the field of internationalization and in the different aspects of art education. Uh, what is your direct experience with these uh, and what are the main specific aspects that differentiate this field from the other fields when it comes to internationalization? I could, we could make a 
podcast uh, about this question in itself. But I'm really excited to have Sara online and I know she's waiting. So let's call her and uh, she might be able to answer that question. What do you think, Mirko? Yes, let's do it. And then if it's not enough, we will have a podcast where I interview you. So let's call Sara. Hi, Sara. How are you? Hello. Everything okay. That's great. Great to hear you. A few minutes ago, uh, before I called you, there was some kind of tense feeling in this room. And we need to uh, put the, the record straight before we start this interview. As you know, my, my colleague Mirko, is, he comes from, he's born and raised in Turin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, don't have to explain so much, but football is quite important in your country. Yes, it is. And uh, so to have some kind of uh, relaxed feeling in this interview, we need to know what team you support. Aha, well, (laughs) my family supports the Juventus, I have to say. (laughs) But I'm not really a football club fan, but I support really a lot our national team, the Azzurri. (laughs) That's a quite natural response, I know. Well, that was a very diplomatic answer. (laughs) Are you satisfied with that, Mirko? (laughs) 50-50. I think you are my favorite favorite member of your family, because there's one thing I detest the most in life is Juventus. (laughs) And I support Torino since I was born. So (laughs) we started in the best possible way. Yeah, great. Okay. Are we, are we, have you set the record clear here? We now? have done yes. that. Yes. Great, great. Much more relaxed. So, AEC. I'm not sure everybody knows about AEC. Do you know anything about AEC, Mirko? Well, very superficially, I would say. So, I, I uh, work for a technical university and I've worked for technical universities all my life, although I was involved in internationalization since the beginning. Internationalization in the field of performing arts is something that I really don't know much about, and maybe some of the listeners as well. So it would be good to have an overview on uh, how the organization works, what it is about, and then how does internationalization in performing arts look today? Yeah, so the AC, it's an acronym that stands for European Association of Conservatoires of Music. Uh, the, The letters are reversed because it comes from the French uh, name because the AC was established in Switzerland, neutral territory in 1953. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, probably one of the oldest uh, networks of uh, higher education institutions in Europe. And uh, it's about putting together uh, directors, teachers, international relations coordinator of um, uh, higher music education institutions. So, because, you know, the uh, teaching of music at high level, it's uh, kind of at the university level. So tertiary education. So um, there is a, there are a lot of collaborations going on, projects, uh, we do advocacy at European level. Um, we, and we promote, of course, internationalizations. And um, what does it mean, international education? Well, f- uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, the Erasmus program, of course, and the music institutions uh, are also part of it. So music students can, uh, like all the other students of uh, other kind of uh, disciplines, can uh, go and exchange 
um, with this program over Europe and beyond. But there are also other regional programs, for example, the North Plus in the Nordic countries, there are programs in the Eastern Europe, uh, some Med Mediterranean ones. So there, is a, there are a lot of exchanges going on between uh, institutions um, uh, delivering music uh, education at high level. So they said Erasmus, other programs, but also a lot of projects. And uh, to carry out these projects, uh, uh, people need to meet. Need to meet, need to discuss, need to have common guidelines, common tools, share share experiences, uh, share practices, and this is this this is what the AC provides: a platform for uh, um, the constituencies of these institutions to meet, to discuss, and to start up projects uh, for the innovation of the sector, for innovation of music education. So we have a. Um, we are the promoters and the facilitators of many projects in the field and actually many developments of the field that uh, were carried out in, uh, in the past decades, uh, decades was that they came out of AC from the collaboration that the AC um, was able to establish between institutions providing higher music education uh, in Europe. I think we have a quite clear picture here. I know that some years ago uh, you started the Creative Europe Network project called Strengthening <clears throat> Music in Society. Please tell us about this kind of, it's quite a big uh, product as far as I know. Yeah. What so is the, the objectives? Yes, maybe I should start from uh, from the beginning of 2000 when, when they see started um, applying for funds at the European Union. Before uh, it was a uh, uh, we were funded by Erasmus because Erasmus was funding uh, networks of a higher education institution. But then Erasmus stopped funding networks. So as our sector is in between education and arts, we decided to try with Creative Europe. And uh, we got funds um, in 2014 for a project called Full Score. And now for this new one since 2017, which is called AC Strengthening, Strengthening Music in Society. It's quite difficult to pronounce. And the idea <clears throat> is to look at music and music education in a broader sense. So not only uh, uh, from an internal perspective, but also from an external perspective. So what is the role of music and music education in society as a whole? So what's institutions providing music education can uh, give to society. So in this project, we have several working groups working on different themes, uh, looking at society, development in society, so what we can bring to society, what society can bring to us. So the topics um, we work on are uh, um, diversity, access and inclusiveness, which is of course very important, the access and the diversity of uh, music and music education uh, in, uh, in today's in the modern offer of conservatoires. Then we look at entrepreneurship, so how musicians, young musicians should be also, um, uh, should also be educated uh, not only on the music itself, not only on the instrument, but also how to uh, make a living out of music, uh, how to interface, let's say, with the, with the external world 
once they have completed their education, uh, which are the skills that they need to be able to be players in the market. Then we have a trend about internationalization. So we look at how musicians today should be international, global, to be successful in, a, in the profession. Then we look, of course, at the learning and teaching of music, which is the core of um, what conservatoires do. Uh, so what does it mean to teach music today? Uh, did it change from the past years? What are the new tools, the digital tools, but also what is the perspective? Now, nowadays, for example, we switch from a teaching perspective to the learning perspective. So it's not anymore the teaching and the center of the learning of music, but the student is at the center. Uh, then we look uh, more broadly to the digital tools. Our music education uses digital tools, uh, not only in, um, in the learning and teaching of music, but also in uh, um, disseminating music uh, and etc. So it's really about the relation between the musician and the digital tools. Then we look, uh, we have a, a strand uh, dedicated to students, so we give them a voice. Uh, what the students think, uh, the, stu the students want, because of course our network is mainly uh, composed of directors, teachers, coordinators, but our final uh, uh, ob objective is a student, so we want to hear also what they have to say. And finally, we look at the youngest, so the early childhood music education, so how should we uh, prepare the youngest, the little children, to then become musicians, or only how can we educate them to music so that we can have future audiences. So this is the wide spectrum of this project and what we look at. And so how far in the, in the project are you? We are now almost at the end. We started at the end of 2017. The project is four years, so we'll end uh, on the 30th November 2021. So we have uh, one and a half year to go. Okay. So what do you think will be uh, the most uh, significant result by the end of this uh, SMS project? Yes, for sure some uh, shared knowledge and uh, new knowledge in uh, this uh, in this field, on this uh, subject that I, I mentioned, these topics I mentioned above. So um, there will be uh, some results that there will be some publications on these topics. Some of them have been already released in digital formats. Uh, we have uh, uh, an anthology about uh, uh, learning and teaching uh, music practices. Uh, we have an online publication about diversity, inclusiveness, identity, and access. And uh, there will be some other uh, publications. Uh, when I mean publication, I mean also media and um, so, so let's say some outputs uh, different, maybe in a different format. Because of course, when we were doing projects in the past years, the, the final output was always like handbook, a book, something on paper. And nowadays, we are trying to abandon paper and going more and more digital. So there will be also uh, probably some podcasts as this one, apps, websites, and uh, any kind of digital material, videos, etc. Uh, so your uh, association is European in nature and scope, of course, but culture and education are international by definition. So can you say how does collaboration beyond Europe 
look like today in your field uh, and if you have some specific examples. So Europe is very attractive when it comes to culture. Of course, music is very attractive for other markets like China. If a student wants to study opera, goes to Italy and so on. But Indeed. in terms of collaboration, uh, how does it look like in concrete? Yeah. So since many years, we collaborate also with other networks like the AC, but based on the other continents. There is, let's say, the AC homologue in the States, the NASM, National Association of Schools of Music, with whom we collaborate. There is the South Pacific Association, CEDOM, that involves Australian and the Asian institutions of higher music education. So we are in constant contact with them to follow the developments. We, we involve them in our meetings. Um, so this is regarding the collaboration of the networks. Then, of course, at institutional level, uh, European institutions uh, collaborate a lot with uh, institutions outside Europe, especially Asia, for example, also South America, because of course uh, we now uh, the Erasmus can have also third countries collaboration with outside Europe with the credit mobility. So Russia, South America, Asia, also the States. So Erasmus also itself went beyond Europe to expand the collaborations. And then traditionally, of course, we had we have seen uh, Asian and other, let's say mainly Asian students coming to Europe to study the European tradition of classical music, and uh, even uh, today, uh, especially as you mentioned, Italy, uh, which is the the main country to learn uh, opera, uh, the departments of uh, Italian conservatoires are overwhelmed by applications uh, of Asian institutions. But the trends show that uh, as the Asian markets are expanding while European markets are contracting, there will be an inversion of the fluxes and the flows. So that means that um, now European, uh, also Aust Australian or uh, US students, but uh, I heard a lot about Africa as well, they're looking at China. China and Asia and other countries to to go uh, to st uh, to study, and this of course will also will will also influence the music studies, because of course the uh, Chinese but not only Chinese conservatoires are becoming more and more important, more and more of good level, and of course also uh, opera houses and theaters and orchestras uh, are are opening and uh, they are having success in, a, in, a, in Asian countries, while in Europe we see a decline, a closing theater, closing orchestra. So also in terms of market and job opportunities, Asia sounds like the, the future also for our European music students. Yeah, I was just going to ask because employability mm -hmm. is quite important when in higher education mm -hmm. and the, they are educating so many pianists, uh, violinists, etc. In, in, in China mainly. So this will of course change the whole music, music market and employability opportunities. Do you see this more as an opportunity or a threat for, let's say, European uh, high music uh, education students? 
Of course, the number of uh, classical music students that have been educating in, uh, in China is really huge. I, I read once that there are like 70 million <laughs> uh, piano students uh, in, yeah. uh, in Asia. It's, uh, there are huge numbers. Of course, when uh, you need to compete for fewer and fewer orchestras with uh, this mass of uh, fresh graduates coming uh, from uh, Beijing or from <laughs> um, uh, Chinese conservatoires, then it becomes more and more difficult to get uh, your job in, uh, in, in Europe. So in a way, it's a threat, but of course, yeah, new markets are opening also, and we need to see how it will develop in the, in the coming years. Yeah. This actually brings me to another question. You know, classical music is one of the oldest forms of music and uh, lasting for over 400 years. And many of, of the AEC member institutions are classical music oriented. And I read an article some days ago in the National Endowment for the Arts, it's from the USA, uh, where it says that classical music performances and attendance have decreased dramatically the last five, six, seven years. Do you see the same trend in, in, in Europe? Do we educate too many classical musicians? Yeah, maybe the question should be reversed. Maybe it's not that we educate too many classical musicians, but uh, we educate too few uh, people who would know and appreciate classical music. That's uh, the main problem, because of course, if you don't have an audience, uh, uh, there is no job for, for musicians. Yeah. So maybe the, the key would be to educate the audiences to classical music so that uh, our uh, classical uh, uh, classical music students can uh, can have an audience in their in the future. Um, then is, uh, is this something you work on within the AEC? Do you do you yes. have this kind of discussion or? Yes, we have this kind of discussion uh, and in, in uh, the project uh, Strengthening Music in Society is something that we address, but not only in that project, because that's, of course, our flagship project, but we're also part of uh, many other projects. And uh, yeah, lately, uh, most of them, they focus on developing new audiences for opera, for example. And uh, so the idea is to, to educate children and um, uh, teenagers to this uh, form of arts so that yeah, we can expand the audiences. The, 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 the students, they're mainly educated for classical music, but there are more and more departments educated, of course, in jazz in many years, but also in pop. There are even institutions um, popping up that um, provide pop education only. And this is becoming uh, more and more uh, popular, most probably for all the reality shows that people see on television, they want all to become pop stars. So the conservatoires are also adapting their offer to these new demands. Then, of course, there is the question if, you know, pop, pop uh, by its, uh, like, by tradition, uh, developed itself outside the institutions. So there is also the ethical question, if we put pop education within an institution and we formalize the education, uh, do we keep the nature of it or we just uh, make it academic and so we just destroy it in its own nature? So that's yeah. another <laughs> It's true. I mean, I, I, we will never see a hip-hop program, I think, because that, 
uh, it goes against it comes from the nature. streets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, most of this culture uh, were born as a counterculture against the academic culture. So once you then put it inside, then you have some ethical problems. But of course, in our project, um, Strengthening Music and Society, the strength dedicated to diversity is also to integrate diverse cultures and diverse kind of music in in the conservatoires. So the, 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 there is a kind of an effort to try to, uh, to get inside the conservatoire all these other kinds of music other than classical. And I have a question, <clears throat> although we refused to have programs about the pandemic, you cannot avoid asking a question about the pandemic nowadays. And uh, universities started looking inward to uh, when this happened, uh, internationalization has been affected heavily. Uh, but not everybody understands that different fields are affected in different ways. So I work for and with technical universities. Of course, we were prepared. We had the technology, the skills, the capacity. Students were already studying online pretty much. Um, but not everybody understands that there's a difference to keep on keeping the internationalization activities alive for technical universities, engineering and other fields, but when it comes to uh, performing arts, probably it's not the same to, to move everything online and learn opera via Zoom. Uh, and how does this look? Uh, how, what has happened in practice, if you know, if you had some feedback, and how do you think this will work in the future? Because we will have to face this possible crisis also in the future. So let's say that digital learning and distance learning has been on the table since many years, also in higher music education. But uh, at that time, and right, well, that time, until February, that was just an option. There were kind of an experiment uh, and added things to the normal offer, which is, of course, in-person, one-to-one tuition, the teacher uh, being with the student, even, let's say, touching the student uh, in, to help, because of course the, 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 the mu music act is also a physical act, so uh, it needs to be not as much as dance, but still there is a physical element in it, so the presence is very important, and of course the sound, the natural sound that uh, is, is produced naturally is not the same as the sounds in the digital form. So there have been projects and uh, going on about distance learning using several technologies, very let's say complicated the technologies that deal with sound, with latency, there are several systems. There is a, the most famous in our field is called Lola, because it's a low latency system that uh, helps playing together distance with the lowest possible latencies, but there are also other systems like Polycom, for example, and many others. So those have been used so far, but just for experimentation, but suddenly, the distance learning was just not, not just an option, it was like a must because there was no other, other way to continue uh, to educate uh, music students now with the, with the pandemic. The problem of these online and very sophisticated tools is that they, that they rely on a very expensive and big uh, equipment that normally is uh, is kept in the institutions themselves. So suddenly even all these experimentation couldn't, uh, weren't useful anymore because the students were at home and the teachers were at home and they couldn't go to the conservatoire. 
So uh, they started, we also started to help them to look at what was available in the market, for example, Zoom or Skype or any other tool that is normally used by, by those who were making online events, but just conferences, just to speak. So there was the problem of the sound, how to make the sound work uh, online with everyday tools. So with the PC we have at home, with the microphone of the computer, with our mobile phones. Of course, it was difficult. There was some resistance at the beginning, especially from the older generation. But at one point, there was just a choice of not to do anything, stop for, I don't know, many months, or trying to do something. So they tried, and we collected some practices uh, that are on our webpage. Uh, there, are, there is a, a list of tools. Um, and for example, Zoom was one of the um, most used one because you can adjust the sound and keep the original sound so that it's, uh, you can have the, the best sound possible with the uh, everyday technology that you have at home. Of course, it's not ideal. This is just a temporary solution. But uh, I, if we want, we can see also the positive side of it because we were first forced to make an experiment that otherwise we would have done it. So in a way we are prepared for the next, let's say pandemic, but also students and teachers acquired some new skills that they didn't have before the pandemic and they can use even later. Also, for example, um, we, there is, I mentioned Zoom because this is for synchronous uh, um, tuition, but we don't need to, we need to uh, not to forget that there are also tools for non-synchronous teaching, for example, making videos send it and then give a feedback. So students learned, for example, how to do videos in a good way. And they had to, to learn because uh, if they wanted to keep on studying and getting feedback, they had to. So there are a lot of skills that uh, were developed in this month and that they will, students and teachers will use again in the future. Like in other fields, this has turned into an opportunity also because new uh, techniques and tools were developed that might be inclusive for students who don't have the possibility of being physically mobile or don't have the means for any reason. But do you have you heard anything about the impact that this might have on physical mobility from your members? Are they already uh, considering reducing mobility or do they, are they experiencing difficulties in having students applying for study abroad or universities who are not so willing to receive students on campus yeah. in the next future. So we didn't see a decline in applications. That means that the students were kind of uh, optimistic that this would be over after the summer. But uh, the institution themselves, the, some of them in some countries, for example, in the Netherlands, um, they are quite reluctant and quite pessimist about the exchanges in the next semester. And some of them decided to stop the exchanges for next semester. And uh, so that means that uh, they have two choices. Those who decided not to have physical exchange, either they postpone it to next semester or some of them, they are also thinking about the online <clears throat> version. Of course, in my opinion, this is not uh, well ideal because, of course, when a student goes into exchange, there is not only the learning and teaching involved, there is a human experience of living in another country, of experiencing another institution, 
meet students from other backgrounds that you would not have with an, a blended, uh, let's say, with a, a virtual mobility. But there can be some solution of, uh, about blended mobility, for example. So that's part of the mobility is online and if then the situation improves they can maybe travel so this is for the moment uh, what is envisaged as a possible solution but uh, at the moment uh, the situation is quite uh, confused and not clear and very different from country to country from institution to institution it's also difficult to collect um, uh, information because they change all the time so if if today we collect the information about which institution they still welcome to the next semester this can change next week so it, it even doesn't make much sense so it's a very difficult situation uh, when where advanced planning uh, is uh, not possible and we need to see if we stay a little bit in the digital world, I know that AEC uh, launched a few years ago a project called European Online Application System, or EC, as you say, for mobility among uh, higher education, music education. Tell us about this EC system. Yeah, this is, uh, yes, as you said, uh, it's a project uh, which uh, it has, it has been developed in the framework of all this digitization of the sector. So. Um, as before we talked about the digitization of learning and teaching, this is digitization of administration, uh, of governance and the how to digitalize process so they are easier and paperless. Um, this came from the fact that, you know, many years ago Erasmus was just a bunch of papers, a lot of papers exchanged via post with, this, in our case, uh, CDs were uh, sent from one institution to the other because, of course, uh, very important parts of um, the selection in the music studies is about the audition. So students to be selected need to be auditioned. We need to listen to how, how to perform to see if they are up to the level of our institutions. And um, so uh, there was a, a, a lot of uh, different procedures and a lot of papers. Then the informatizations arrived and some institutions, the biggest, started um, having their online uh, system so that the applications to go on exchange on Erasmus were sent digitally. But so that brought to an even more complicated situation with paper, with the several system, and uh, this created a lot more work than before rather than less. So uh, our member institutions, our international lectures coordinators asked the AC to create one system for everyone, for everyone where all the applications incoming and outgoing for all institutions could be exchanged in only one place. So, <clears throat> so we started thinking there were working groups about that. They thought at first that a common deadline was necessary, but it was impossible. We tried to, ex to make an experiment. It was impossible to find a common deadline for application for all conservatoires. So we said, okay, let's do another thing. Let's do a system where everyone has its own deadline. So we create a new working group and uh, we found a company based in Estonia, which is the, let's say the, um, uh, the digital hub of Europe. And we built this system, which is called Easy, Easy because we want things to make it to, to be easier. That's why it's also it's called Easy. So we started at the end of 2016 with 40 brave institutions who wanted to, 
to try to be in the system. Of course, the beginning was difficult because it was something completely new, is unique. And then today, after four years, we have 90 institutions uh, all over Europe and about 4,500 applications exchanged every year. And this is a unique experiment. It doesn't exist in any other sector as far as we know, because this is a, a system which is multinational and subject specific. Uh, so that's why it's so special. And now we open also to other arts uh, institutions because of course the, the core of the applications is, as I said, the audition. So the audiovisual material. And of course all the, also other art disciplines visual arts, uh, theater, dance, uh, etc. They also base the selection of their students on the work of arts. So uh, the system can be used also to uh, apply for exchanges in other art fields. And that's, that's why it's becoming successful and it's uh, expanding more and more. Yeah, interesting. Uh, one of the cornerstones in the new Erasmus program for next year is digitalization. How is how could is ease integrated in this ecosystem or how does it work? Yeah, so the commission in the past year developed several digital tools. Uh, the online learning agreement, for example, which is the main document for the Erasmus exchange. Uh, they developed an Erasmus app for students to apply, they develop a dashboard, and they develop also protocols. Uh, for several systems, different systems to communicate. And of course now they, in the new Erasmus program, they propose, if not impose, a roadmap for the, the digitization of the Erasmus procedures using their tools and their protocols. So EASY is uh, now from, uh, actually these, these very days, <clears throat> we are starting the implementation of the Erasmus without papers protocols which is why well, it's a bit technical. They develop these APIs, um, uh, which are some interfaces protocols to make the system uh, uh, speak to each other. So we are now implementing this so that easy can speak with other system and uh, can interface with the digital tools provided by the commission. Uh, let's see how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> easy, I guess. <laughs> Easy, <laughs> hopefully easy. <laughs> you know, as 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 as, as usually, when you are going to make some kind of interview with a person, you you Google he, he or she, he or she, and you check Facebook and you LinkedIn or whatever. And of course, I, I checked you as well, and and I found this band, the Rolling Forks, <laughs> some kind of a bluegrass. Uh, <laughs> Irish folk music, American country music influenced band. And I saw your, your face on this band <laughs> picture with a violin. Tell us about the Rolling Forks, Sara. So let's say that is uh, you discovered my double life. <laughs> because of course, during the day I work as a manager for the AC, but uh, I'm also a musician. Uh, I studied uh, classical violin, but since I was 14, I played in pop bands, folk bands in Italy. And uh, in my, let's say, years abroad, first in the Netherlands, and then a year in uh, Brussels, uh, I continued this passion and they formed several bands and one of them was the Rolling Forks based in Brussels but of course we were all expats and as you know or maybe not but you know expats travel a lot and uh, leave places so at the moment I'm the only one left in Brussels all the other members of the band 
and left even before the COVID crisis. Uh, yeah, the band uh, did uh, its last concert uh, last year in uh, August. So now we, I have a new band, always in the same style, folk Americana um, uh, country band. We are called Directive Falkenstein. Don't ask me what the main name means because I didn't <laughs> choose it. <laughs> and uh, yes, uh, so we actually, yeah, we we started last year with rehearsal in uh, this uh, kind of a dodgy underground uh, rehearsal rooms uh, uh-huh. uh, in the suburb of Brussels. <laughs> and you haven't made any Facebook group yet or fan well, page? Yeah, yeah, we have a Facebook page called Create, Create, um, Directive Falkenstein that we actually opened during the pandemic. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, new because so far, so far we didn't do any con- concert of our own. We just joined uh, uh, an event which is called Brussels Musicians Meetup. Is an event here in Brussels where bands can just join and play two or three th- songs. It's like a meetup for musicians. It's nice you meet musicians, you play on stage, and the, there is the audio technician and everything. So they they provide everything. So it's nice you just go there and play. Even though it's a bit difficult because in ten minutes you just have the time to warm up and then you are already off stage. <laughs> but those have been our performances so far. And then uh, the corona arrived. Yeah, I was right just going. Our f- Yeah, I was just going to ask, I mean, it's quite obvious that this pandemic has made a a total mess for not only musicians, for all artists, with theater down and concert houses, etc. So how how are you dealing with it and all your colleagues and music friends around? I guess, go uh, online, I mean, but... uh, yeah, actually, we're just preparing our first concert and uh, yes, this arrived. So we couldn't even rehearse anymore because any kind of gathering were forbidden. We are six. So it was impossible in the little uh, rehearsal room space. So at the beginning, nothing. We just stopped. And at one point, you know, we were missing all this. And we said, okay, we, we were seeing all these videos online uh, made uh, with all this kind of mosaic, uh, with all the, the musicians playing at, at their place. but together like online so it's okay let's try and let's do it so we started and it was actually great um we did uh, three videos and uh, of course we increased also we we developed some skills (laughs) with video making so you know thanks to this we have uh, nice videos that we can also for example send to bars who want to to find some gigs that we didn't have before so we, we took this time to develop these videos. So now we have some materials to send. We develop our, um, we open our Facebook page. We posted those videos. So we, we use this time to develop our, let's say social media marketing. Uh, so our, especially the last one got more than 1000 views. Uh, we're very happy because we are quite new and uh, you know, nobody ever saw us on stage and suddenly we got in a few days, a thousand views. So we're very happy. And also it made us work more on the pieces because of course, when you have to record a video, it needs to be perfect. It's just not, you know, it, you need to play it from the beginning to the end and play it well because it stays. So we had to work on the arrangements on the songs a bit more than what we would do in the, in the rehearsal room. So it was actually good. And now the lockdown has been lifted so we can meet and we started again the rehearsals. And uh, yeah, thanks to the online, um, contacts uh, we didn't feel like we haven't played for three months together it 
Sora, thank you very, very much. May for I this. ask one last question? Yes, please. Before we close, yeah. I thought of it, mm -hmm. uh, so that we make also some promotion. But uh, about still back to the organization, association you represent uh, or yeah. coordinate. Uh, if you had to address a higher education institution in the field that is not yet a member, how would you convince them in one sentence, or what would you? Uh, tell them that the main benefit of being a member is? Mm -hmm. Can they expect in concrete? Well, the main benefit is to, to be together, to develop together <clears throat> and advance together because for an institution alone cannot do what many institutions together can. And uh, by looking at the others, by collaborating with the others, by sharing practices, uh, you develop your own institution and they see can provide a platform for it. So for the development of higher music education institutions. Thank you. Thank you, Sara, so much for taking your time. Thank you. Stay healthy, wash your hands and... Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, you too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank bye. You. No one's around who can break me My eyes on this hour Leading my way to the next door On a spot that I remember I was here last September I crossed the edge in line Making it stop the time My body hits your body My body hits your body My body hits your body, baby What you gonna do? My body hits your body my body hits your body, my body hits your body, baby. What you gonna do tonight? All of a sudden the weather changes. Don't look at me, I'm getting anxious. Let's go together to the same place. There's something blinking in your unknown face. And when you get the music blasting, the floor is shaking and people dancing. We get along quite well together. Let's have a drink. Feeling better, my body hits your body, my body hits your body, my body hits your body, baby. What you gonna do? My body hits your body, my body hits your body, my body hits your body, baby. What you gonna do tonight?
This music was from Sara's former band, the Rolling Forks. And Mirko, you're not from the field of music. Was it inspiring to listen to yes, her? Yes, very interesting to learn something new, especially because I've always worked with internationalization of education from the technical side. Uh, and I have a background in social sciences, as we said during the interview. So for me, this is a new field. So Mirko, what is the next Interlace podcast episode? Well, in the next episode, we will cover one of our uh, main target groups, which is students and alumni, and we will have Pavan, an Indian citizen who moved to Europe uh, thanks to an Erasmus Mundus joint master degree program, and who is actually currently living in Europe because of that and residing in Norway as Norwegian citizen. So we will listen about his success story. So, for those of you who wants to follow the Interlace podcast, please check interlacepodcast.com or our social medias on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And thank you very much for listening to this episode. Thank you and stay with us.